The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Hello and welcome to The Exchange. I'm your host, Katrina Hamlin, Breaking Views columnist and production editor based in Hong Kong. And I'm here today with the chief executive of the Hong Kong Rugby Union, Robbie McRobbie. Robbie is one of the masterminds behind the city's famous Rugby Sevens tournament. The competition started in 1976 and this year it's a three-day extravaganza featuring dozens of teams from around the world. Robbie, you must be very busy because the 2019 Sevens are coming up very soon. So thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Katrina. How are the preparations going? How many people are you expecting this year? Well, we're delighted to say the sold-out signs uh, have gone up again. We've sold out now for well over a decade, 10 years. So we'll have 120,000 people uh, passing through the gates of the, the Hong Kong Stadium over the three days of the tournament, the 5th to the 7th. We also have uh, an additional day, the Thursday, we have the Women's Sevens Day 1 at Sokompo Sports Ground. And indeed, the, the whole week uh, is really, it's, a, it's a, a rugby sevens week with the Kowloon Tens and the Football Club Tens. So the, the streets of Hong Kong will be, will be thronging once again um, uh, that, that first week in April. And what does that mean in terms of ticket sales and revenue for the union? Well, the Sevens is incredibly important to us as an organisation. It, it does provide 95% of um, our total revenue for, for the year. So all of the money that we invest back into the community um, all basically comes out of that, that weekend. Glad to say that, um, you know, again, the ticket, ticket sales have been strong. About half of our tickets end up um, overseas in the overseas market. We do work with overseas travel agents and, uh, and with our you know, one of our co-title sponsors, Cathay Pacific. Uh, obviously, the overseas market is important to them. But actually, the majority of our tickets go out through um, our clubs, our local clubs. Uh, we have a strong rugby community of, of over 10,000, um, both youth and, and adults. So they take up uh, the vast majority of the tickets uh, and along with the public uh, ticket ticket ballot. And many of those tickets find their way overseas as well. Obviously, friends and family coming into to Hong Kong for, for the event. So ticket sales have been strong. The corporate market uh, as well, we, we basically we, we do a lot of work around corporate boxes and, and um, suites in, in the stadium. Uh, and again, the market has been, uh, has been pretty good this year. In my mind, um, Hong Kong's a pretty special venue for an event like this because you know it's full of skyscrapers and financiers maybe it's not your classic rugby crowd so how does the sevens compare to other events around the world are they doing um you know as well as you guys or are they sort of lagging behind um it's a great question i mean yes we are we are far more than a than a rugby event. Um, our market research shows that, to be honest, the majority of people in the stadium, their primary reason for being there is not is not to watch the rugby. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I mean, there is a, an off-quoted uh, comment that if you're at the Hong Kong Sevens and you get bored, you can turn around and watch the rugby. So, you know, we, we're really lucky. We, we've become, I suppose, Hong Kong's um, unofficial Mardi Gras. It, it's, it's that one weekend of the year where all the sections of the community come together, they let their hair down, um, and, and they have a great party. We're very proud of that, and we're, we're, we're proud of, of, um, of the community engagement that, that, that the, the tournament has got. I, I think it's also, you touched on it, it's a critical point. I mean, I, I think the interest in, in the tournament from the overseas market... Um, a lot of that is down to the fact that Hong Kong is a great place to visit. There are, we're part of the World Seven Series, so there are nine other tournaments 
um, sevens tournaments, very similar to, to ours in terms of the rugby around the world, and yet we remain the most popular. And I think the key element of that is just the fact that, that Hong Kong, for overseas visitors, is, is still... It's a, it's a great night out. It's a safe night out. Um, the, the, the whining, the dining... You know, we're, we're, we're a wonderful, we're Asia's world city. So that, for us, is a really critical element of, of the success of the tournament. As great as the Sevens is, it, it must be quite terrifying to have so much hanging on one event in terms of, you know, the money, but also your brands, your reputation. How do you cope with that? It is. It's, I, I think that for those of us at the Union, there is, first of all, a sense of responsibility that the tournament, has grown up over 44 years and there have been so many people who have been involved in building the success of it and you do feel um, you know the onus is on you whilst if you like whilst on your watch that that you try and maintain the reputation the thing you dread is at the end of the of the weekend people the spectators walking away and saying it wasn't as good as last year. You know there is a there is a real sense for for all of us involved with the tournament that every year we, we want to make it something really special and we want people to walk away saying what a great weekend that, that was that was the best sevens that we we've, we've been to. So from that point of view, yes, a, a real sense of of um, responsibility. In terms of the commercials, it, it's not a great business model. We are we are a one trick pony, um, and that is is obviously uh not not ideal we have over the years we have tried to to look at other revenue streams and we have tried to diversify and we've you know we've put on a number of um matches in hong kong 15 aside matches uh we we did two bledisloe cups australia against new zealand we did the british lions against the barbarians in recent years we've we've done a super rugby match um and we're just embarking on an involvement with uh, with a new international a club competition called uh, Global Rapid Rugby. Uh, we're putting in a, uh, a new professional uh, Greater Bay Area team, the South China Tigers. So going forward, we have hopes that that, that will provide a, a strong second event, second revenue stream for us. Um, because, yeah, uh, you, as you say, uh, at, at the moment, it's a little bit commercially precarious. Mm. Um, you said you know, your, your nightmare is that somebody goes to the games and, and says it wasn't quite as good as last year, but that, that's not really the worst-case scenario, is it? You joined in um, 2003, is I that did. right? Which was a pretty terrible year for Hong Kong because that was the year that the city kind of came to a standstill um, during the SARS epidemic. How close were we to cancelling the games altogether that year? We were incredibly close. Um, I mean, there, there was a, a, a meeting... You know, in, in the stadium with uh, representatives from the union and uh, and the government and medical advisors, um, and and it was it was a very very tough decision. Um, I, I think in the end, the decision to go ahead was the right one from the event point of view, and it was the right one from Hong Kong's point of view. Uh, you know, th- there was a there was a critical need for Hong Kong to try and get the message out there that you know we were still open for business. For you know, for for anybody who remembers Hong Kong at that time, it was the most bizarre place to be. I mean, it was, it was like walking through a ghost town. Um, and, you know, I think if, if we hadn't gone ahead with the Sevens, that would have been a really, really significant symbol, if you like, of, of, to the rest of the world of, of, of the deep problems that, that Hong Kong was in. You know, the, the event is... Our, our latest um, market research, you know, shows that the event just by itself, that direct value to, to the Hong Kong um, economy is, is 300 million Hong Kong dollars. So 
you know, to lose that on top of everything else that we were going through as a society and a community, um, you know, would have been another body blow to Hong Kong's reputation. So, yeah, it it, it was a it was a tough time, but um, I, I'm very personally, you know, I'm very proud of of the stance and and the decision that the union took to to go ahead. That was obviously an extraordinary year, but even in ordinary years, I, I feel like uh, the Sevens is sort of a barometer for the, the health and wealth of the city and, and the business community in particular. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I would. Um, I mean, I, I think that w- whether it's um, the the amount of time and effort and money that, that goes into the decoration of the of the suites, um, you know, the, the theme of the fancy dress, I, I think... You're absolutely right. There, the, there are ways that you can pick up on underlying trends in in Hong Kong, and the underlying sense of of whether the uh, the economy is is in a good place or a not so good place. I, I think the sevens is a very good visual representation of that, and that's before you even start, you know, talking to people. I mean, the other great thing about the sevens is it provides a really unique um, networking. Opportunity when you go into the, the sevens, it's it's free seating. People move around. It provides a, a great environment for, for people to talk to other members in in a similar industry or people from from outside different industries that perhaps they don't normally come into contact with. And so I, I think that you know the majority of people at the end of the weekend probably walk away a lot more informed um, of what's going on within the uh, within the business community than than they perhaps were at the start. So. From where I'm sitting uh, in the Reuters Bureau, uh, it's been a pretty anxious few months because we're all kind of bracing for the effects of the slowdown in China. In the run-up to this year's Games, have you had any sort of sense of that? I, I think that the last few years, you know, there, there are some challenges around the, around the corporate market. I mean, compliance um, for, for a while now has, has, been, uh, has been an issue. Again, not just for us, but, but across the world of sports sponsorship. It's interesting. We are seeing more interest from mainland companies. Uh, and I think that part of that is a desire for them to to put a more international face on on them as organizations and as businesses and i think that by involvement in a very by you know by its nature a very very international event which is you know shown around the world i, I think that that's proving quite attractive to to chinese companies and we're and we're obviously we're very keen to to encourage that things have picked up this year um but it'll be interesting to see going forward whether whether we, we've kind of reached a bit of a plateau. Um, but at the same time, that the challenge for us is, is to make sure that we kind of up our game and, and, and build on our key markets and, and try to make sure that, that we remain on, on the bucket list for people around the world to, to come to. I heard you're grappling with another issue that's all too familiar to people in Hong Kong. Uh, land and space are in very short supply here. So what does that mean for, for you and the tournament going forward? Yeah, I, I think throughout the sports community, there is a huge challenge with access to facilities and venues. I mean, and one of the things that we have done consistently over the last uh, 10, 15 years is the revenue that we derive from the tournament. Um, a lot of that gets kicked back into the sports facility uh, improvement and development. So we've given a lot of money across a wide range of schools and universities to help them with their, with their sports facilities. We've also ourselves uh, on on government land at Kings Park and at Tinsa Y. We've we've built sports pitches. So we we've tried very much to help ourselves, but 
access to land is is tough and you know i think we are realistic you know we know people need houses they need hospitals they need fire stations but at the same time i think sport has an important place in in the community you mentioned a few new sites that you're developing and i saw in your annual report they also mentioned a site in kaitak um the venue that you have at the moment for the games um is on a a really prime piece of real estate in Happy Valley. Is there a chance that in the future we're going to see that move out somewhere else like Kaitak? That is exactly exactly what we're going to see, yeah. So the the government... The, the current stadium, the Hong Kong Stadium, is is a government stadium. It's, it's uh, run by Leisure and Cultural Services Department, and it's been on it's been in its kind of current form since since around 1992. Um, the government has made a decision to to invest a very very significant sum of money in uh, building a new uh, sports hub across in Kai Tak. So that will consist of a 50,000 seat stadium with a retractable roof. Uh, a an ancillary community sports ground with a capacity of somewhere between five to eight thousand, and an indoor sports arena. Uh, and on top of that, there will be shopping mall um, and and within the the, the broader Kaitak development, obviously there's hotels, uh, office space. So it's going to be a very very significant investment in sport. The spade will go in 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 the ground uh, w- within the next kind of month or so. The consortium, uh, it's a design, build, operate model, and the consortium has, has, been, uh, has been awarded. Uh, and the stadium is due for completion in around the middle of two, 2023. So all things being equal, the 2024 Rugby Sevens will be in Kaitak. Now, as you say, the current stadium site is on uh, a very, very nice uh, piece of real estate. And I think that initially we probably all anticipated that the government would simply sell it off for, for development and houses would go up. Interestingly, at the moment, the, the government are doing a consultation around this and it looks like there is a pretty good chance that it will remain a sports facility. They will reduce the capacity. They'll put in a running track. It will stay as a, as a sports facility, which, you know, again, I think is, is fantastic news for, for the wider sports community and maybe does show that there is some recognition to go back to my earlier point there is perhaps a little bit more of a recognition of the value of sport but as a hong kong president i know what it's like to have to to move around in search of uh, new real estate so i hope that works out for you yeah I, I, as i say i mean we're all members of of um of the community and we, we all have similar challenges so you know we, we would be we'd be naive if if, if we thought that um housing is not always going to be uh, top of the the list of priorities and and, and look, I mean, it, it, it's tough for young people in Hong Kong to get on the housing housing ladder, and, and it, you know, it's we have to be realistic. You know, housing number one, as I say, I think sport just needs to get itself on the list. One personal question, then, before we finish up, uh, you were a rugby player yourself, right? So I know you love rugby. What's it like mixing business with pleasure? Um, has it been hard to make your sport your career? Another great question. When I joined the rugby union, I was a policeman before, and uh, so rugby was like it is for most people. It was my hobby. It was my release. On a Saturday, I looked forward to going down, getting together with, with my friends, you know, uh, having a good hard game of, of rugby and, uh, and then a couple of beers afterwards. And, and so, it, you know, it, it was that's what I did in, in my leisure time. When I joined the rugby union, one of my new colleagues took me to one side at a very, very early stage. And he said, he said to me, he said, what, what do you do um, to relax? What do you do for a hobby? And I said, oh, I play rugby. He said, you're <laughs> going to have to find a new hobby. And he, and he was right to a large extent. Did, did you find one? 
I play a bit more golf, I suppose, than, than I did, <laughs> did before. Um, I haven't been that successful in following his advice, but his advice was was correct. It's great to work in something that you enjoy and you love, I, and I feel incredibly privileged to to be able to do that. But at the same time, your relationship to the sport does change, and you know when I go and watch uh, you know, watch a game of rugby now, a local game of rugby, um, which I, you know, I still do kind of most weekends, people inevitably want to come up to you and um, talk about rugby, which is which is great. They inevitably want to give you um, their opinions on on how you could be doing a better job, um, which <laughs> which again is okay, uh, you know, but. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It's no longer a release. It's no longer something different. It's kind of your your, your work spills over into what before was your was your leisure time and, and your hobby. Yeah, it is quite different. But uh, but as I say, you know, I still to have the opportunity to to work in in a sports industry and to work in something that, that you really you're passionate about and you believe in, I, I think is a is a is a great privilege. And a, you know, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. So. Are you looking forward to the sevens or are you looking forward to the end of the sevens? <laughs> I am looking forward to the Monday after the sevens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will have a well-earned rest when that comes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come and see us today. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. The Exchange is produced by Sharon Lamb and Freddie Joyner. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out on Twitter at Breaking Views. Until the next episode of The Exchanged, this is Katrina Hamlin in Hong Kong. <laughs>